You're listening to the Promised Church's message of the week. This week we're celebrating five years of the senior leadership team and we have a guest speaker from Manor House, Pastor Daryl Corbin. We hope you enjoy this teaching. Wow, what an honor to be here. Um, what, a, what a privilege. I was uh, mentioning this morning when we met before the service that uh, the first time I spoke here, uh, the church was called Lewis River Christian Center, uh, and uh, that was 23 years ago, 23 years ago. Um, I was a, a graduate of Portland Bible College at the time and getting ready to plant a church north of here, and um, I, I came and, um, and just linked arms, and, and I had no idea that I'd meet an 8 and an 11-year-old boy, and I don't know, Casey, how old you were at the time, probably right around the same but uh, you guys were just little guys, and uh, here you are, leading the way. Come on, would you give your pastoral team, the, 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 the leadership team of this church, a big hand? I, uh, I have to tell you how, how honored and proud I am um, of you guys, because you, you told the stories of, of what you've done to just kind of take initiative and do things through the lens of humor, and through the, end, through the lens of maybe not thinking everything through. But I want to tell you, that's one of the marks uh, on your leadership. And it's the very thing that God has used to create the wake um, of the promised church over the last five years. What God has done here is nothing short of miraculous. And I, I don't know if you understand the magnitude of what God is doing. But um, truthfully, uh, you've got some heroes leading the way. And, and part of the reason why they're heroes to me um, is not just because I've known them for a long time, but because as they stood here to, to honor God for what he's done, they honored the Lord and they honored you. I don't know if you understood the, the, the depth of humility and the tone of what just happened, but I sat there really awestruck to just appreciate the fact that um, the, your team is not taking glory for themselves. They're actually reflecting glory that God has brought to this place and shining it back on you because they believe in body ministry. They believe in every member doing its share. And I, I just want to say to you guys how proud I am of you. If you'll walk with that humility and you'll walk with that consistently uh, throughout the next five, you're going to continue to see the hand of the Lord move in this place in a powerful way. Can I hear an amen about that? Um, I was here a couple years ago and shared, and I, I shared it on a, on a word called focus. And today I want to talk about the word next. Um, I want to talk about the word next because I believe there is a next for you, uh, a next chapter, a next layer, a next level. And uh, before I, I jump into that, I, I have a couple things to say, not only um, to, I think, the church as a whole, but um, I, I just feel like the Lord has um, a, a next chapter for you that um, I believe is going to be beyond your thinking. It's going to be beyond your thinking. And uh, I, I just have to say, as I get ready to dive into this idea, first of all, that I don't stand here alone, even though I am alone. I've got a picture of my wife that I'm going to put up here. Her name is Michael, and um, I, I think we have a picture of her. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we don't. Never mind. Um, I, I actually, she was going to come and be with me today and ended up doing a teacher training so she couldn't be here, but I just want to say I never stand here alone. I've got a beautiful wife of 22 years, and uh, her name is Michael, and I've got three kids, Judah, Noah, and Mariah, 19, 18, and 16, and I'm getting ready to be an empty nester, and I'm thankful uh, for the next chapter. Everybody say, next chapter. 
Amen. Hey, um, uh, one more thing before I dive into this word. That is simply this. Five years is the number of grace. Five is the number of grace. In Ephesians chapter 4, there's five ministries that are listed and represented. And I, I felt specifically today for your church moving into the next, that your next was going to continue to be a representation of God using the gifts and the ministries of the body to make his glory known, to make his name famous in the Northwest. The reason why I'm saying that is because when, when the team took the lead, one of the things that they said is we really feel we're called to lead together. And I want to tell you, at the time, I said, man, churches just don't lead with a team in that kind of a way. And I actually kind of tried to talk them out of it. And they said, no, we're going to do something kind of radical, something we really feel. And how many know radical pays off? Radical pays off. And I, I felt this morning as I walked through the doors that Ephesians chapter 4, the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, a team working together to build the body of Christ, was going to be, continue to be what this house is known for, but not just those five ministries, all other gifts and ministries flowing in the body. This would be known as a house of grace. Come on now. A house of grace, a house of ministry, a house where every member does their share. And what you see at, at the tip of the spear is really God's intention for the rest of the body. So I felt this morning so stirred of the Lord to say, let's not watch the senior leadership team lead. Let's all lead together. Can I hear an amen? Let's all lead together into the next chapter and see what God will do. Amen? I want to read a couple scriptures to you this morning, um, and uh, quite a few verses, if you would, and I want to take the word next and, and kind of dive into this thought. Acts 13, verse 13 to 16 says, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. Now, this is a different Antioch, by the way, than Antioch uh, that they were sent from in, in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. So it's another town in the region of Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. And after reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, and I'm not going to take time to read everything that he said. I'll just tell you what he did is he started uh, in captivity in Egypt. That's where he started. And how many know if you're going to walk into a congregation and speak, which they did. They walked into a Jewish synagogue. They begin speaking from the Old Testament, begin speaking from the journey of the people of God, the nation of Israel, sons of Abraham. They begin calling, uh, uh, sharing, and he began to share really the journey of the congregation. I want you to capture that. He begins sharing about the journey of the congregation of Israel all throughout the Old Testament and how God worked with them all the way up through David. And then he started to prophesy and he said, but God uh, gave a promise to David that his heirs would sit on the throne forever and God has not left that promise without fulfillment. In fact, he, he then began to share about Jesus and the coming of the Messiah. And how the people of God uh, uh, were, were looking for the Messiah, but they actually missed 
the visitation of Christ. And, and he started to share how Christ came and he lived a sinless life and was crucified, buried, and then resurrected on the third day and how this was the promise uh, and the fulfillment of the promise that had been made to the people of God long ago. And as they started to share the gospel, everybody say the gospel. As they started to share the gospel, the people began to be stirred in their hearts. Now, we're going to pick it up and read on from there. It says in verse 38, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything which you could not be freed from by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest... What is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you would not believe even if one tells it to you. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. Now, if you're writing anything down in your notes or you've got your Bibles open, just write the next. The next They said, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. What are they saying? They're saying, we like what you said. We're going to come back next week, and we hope you will too. That's what they're saying. Come back the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue... In the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. That's a powerful verse. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when Jesus saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I've made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. The reason I'm reading this to you today and why I took time to read such a lengthy portion of Scripture is is I believe it's got a model in it. It's got, it's got some picture in it. It's got some principles in it for a church that wants to move into the next. Five years has been great. The grace has been good, and the team dynamic has been fantastic. But many of you have been added to the church in the last five years. What are we going to do in the next five? Where are you going to go? What, what's in front of you? There's, there's two kind of key verses here I want to redraw your attention to. One is verse 42. It says, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And then verse 44 said, the next Sabbath, the whole city gathered together to hear the word of the Lord. What does the word next mean? 
The word next simply is a word that indicates that something follows in a series. There's, there's a series of events that are going to take place, and the first thing is done, and now we're going to move on to the second. The word next actually speaks of a shift or a change. It actually signifies and declares that there's now going to be a marked difference. It actually, uh, the picture behind it is, is a signification of leaving one thing and moving on and embracing the next thing. Their next was seven days later. One Sabbath, there was a stirring. But it was the next Sabbath when people begin to be converted. There was one Sabbath that they begin to realize we don't have the whole truth And it was the next Sabbath that they started to encounter the truth. It was one Sabbath that they thought was just a normal day. We'll just show up to church. But what they didn't realize was they would start to hunger for the next. I want to tell you, church, that there's a hunger in the Northwest. There's a hunger in your region. There's a hunger, I believe, that that is pictured In this portion of Scripture, people are longing for the next. When is the next move of God? When is the next awakening? When is somebody going to bring an answer to my next? How are we going to move into the next? We're going to, first of all, realize that God has next in mind. Now, in order to understand this, there's, there's three quick things I'll say, and then, and then I'm going to just pull some, some points out, and then I'm going to pray for you. And I'm just going to believe God that as you move into the next, that his favor and his grace is going to rest on you in even a greater way than, than where you've come from. Amen? So three quick things that just kind of lay the foundation. First of all, your next is always connected to your past. Your next is always connected to your past. And, and that is, by the way, your past experiences, which are both good and bad, your past decisions, the past anointing, the past integrity, the past team dynamics, the, the past principles, the past sowing. I, I felt like this morning as I got in my car and drove up here, I live out in Camas on the east side of Vancouver, and as I was driving up the road this morning, I felt like the Lord said that over the past five years, this church has been faithful to sow both in the good time and the bad time. You have sown in tears, you've sown in joy, you've sown when there was abundance, and you've sown when, when you were in times of lack. I want to tell you that your past matters for your next. You've got a crop that's going to be harvested in your next because of what you sowed in your yesterdays. You see, your next is always connected to your past. Now there's, there's darkness in all of our past. Do you know that we can learn from that? Man, I, I think, I think what, what the enemy would like to do would be to cage us in our past, but God actually means to catapult us from our past. He, he wants us to stand on the foundations of yesterday. And there's something about this idea that, that was common in the Apostle Paul's thinking, the way that he did life in ministry. He said, I gotta, I gotta come to a point where I can deal well with my past so I can move forward into my future. And he said it this way. He said, I gotta forget those things that are past so that I can Press on for the mark, the high prize, the calling, the thing that God has in mind for me. Next. Everybody say next. Now when he used the word forget, he he, he didn't mean forget as in do away with. He means as if I forget. I can't can't be tied to my yesterday. I got to stand on my yesterday. 
all of the experiences, all the trials, all the struggle, all the seed sowing. Man, I, I, I get around the world fairly often just because of my role in our church. I'm our global director, and I, I'll be in Cambodia this next week, and uh, be in Laos the following week, and I, I find myself all over the world, and, and when I watch a church continue to sow into the future, God always seems to prove his principles of harvest. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, this moment right now, it contains all of your previous moments. It contains all of your previous moments. Unless you stop to acknowledge the fact that there's a connection and, and what God wants to do is cause you to stand on the things that you've learned. The, the second thing that I think we need to understand if we're going to move into our next is that our next rests in our present. It, it's connected to your past, but it actually rests. It's, it's like cradled in your present. There's something that God has put into your hands in the now. And what you have now is not the same thing that you had five years ago. Aren't you thankful for that? What do you have in your hand now? Those of you who've been added to the church in the last five years, what has God done in your life in the last five years? What miracles have taken place? What word has, has adjusted your thinking? What restoration has come to your life? What, what fruitfulness has come to your family? Those are the things now that are in your hands. They are gifts. They are opportunities. They, they are the provision of the Lord. And now you stand in a pivotal place. You stand at a, a spot where you can get in the game. You bring who you are to the table. Man, for those that, that have, have had their marriage restored in the last five years, can I tell you, it's time to pivot and use the grace that was given to you now and begin to pour it out into somebody else's life. Because your next rests in your present. Do you want to get a snapshot of what your next looks like? Look around right now and realize that this is the beginning point the Lord's destiny for Woodland, for, for this entire region, it, it rests in this room. It's in this place. The third thing that can build a little bit of a framework for your next is that your next will always require prophetic action. There's something that Paul had to do on the day that he stood up in the middle of that synagogue. They said, brothers... Do you have an encouraging word? And he said, yeah, let me teach you some biblical history. Let me go all the way back to slavery in Egypt. Let me go all the way back to the beginning because our next is always tied to our past. But, but this is a moment. This is a moment that our next is actually cradled here in the middle of the synagogue in this space. So I've got to take advantage of the moment. And in the middle of the moment, he began to declare what was to come. You see, prophetic action causes you to do things like, hey, let's have an event in the park in four weeks. <laughs> Somebody says you can't do that. No, no, we can. We can do that. 
Oh, do you understand? This is woodland. People won't respond. No, people will respond. We're going to begin to declare prophetically what we see with our eyes and what is cradled in the hearts of our church and and what is laying dormant in the midst in our now. We're going to stand on our past and we're going to prophetically declare to the future what is coming our direction because, Woodland, you haven't seen anything yet. Come on. There are gifts. There are ministries. There's a grace that's flowing in this place. And we're going to stand on our yesterday, yes. But what is in our hand now we must act upon for the sake of the kingdom of God in this place what I what I love is the the terminology northwest awakening and that takes it from beyond this room We've got to have an awakening in the Northwest. Northwest School of Evangelism. Lord, awaken the Northwest with an evangelistic fervor. God, and and let's not just dream about it. Let's not even just pray about it. Let's act prophetically upon it. Come Come on now. Let's begin to act according to what God has put into the body. Yes, we'll stand on our yesterday, but we're going to begin to declare and not just declare. We are going to act on it. A number of weeks ago, we were, we were in the middle of our, our services. I was sitting up on the platform because we had a guest and, and, and he was speaking. I wanted to just kind of sit to the side and watch the crowd. And all of a sudden, I looked down. There's a woman sitting on the front row who, who I've known for many years to have multiple sclerosis. And... Um, she had walked in with her cane. She's a volunteer in the church. She serves. She does an amazing thing out of the gift and the grace that's in her life, even though she has some physical limitations. And the guy that was speaking said, I'm hearing the word MS. And I had just been pondering this girl's life, and he said, who in the room has MS? She raised her hand, and he said, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how long you've been dealing with this, and I actually don't want to know all the details. I just know the Lord said something to me, and, and if he said it, I believe there's a gift in our present that will matter for your future. You see, God, God gives ministries and gifts to the body, and they land in the church. They're in here presently. And to act prophetically is to allow the anointing of the Lord to swell up in your heart and act on the gift that's in you. Marriage restoration, financial restoration, business acumen, salvation, deliverance. Whatever the Lord's done in your life is a deposit of grace that's in you. I started by saying that five is the number of grace, and this this church has worked through grace ministry in team. The whole body is a team. It's not just your senior leadership team. It's every member of the body, and the grace that God wants to flow through you oftentimes comes out of your past. Past struggles, past pain, all of a sudden now there's a deposit, there's a deliverance, there's something that God's done in your present. Now we need to begin to act for the sake of our next. This guy said, I don't know how long you've struggled with MS, but I feel like the Lord 
is here today. Would you stand to your feet? He started to just walk her back and forth across the front. Now, I got to be honest, church. That's a bold step to take. But it's a prophetic action step. It's like, man, we're going to press into this because if the Lord has done something in our present, you know what the Lord was doing? He was confronting something in me. Because I grew up in, in a church where there was a woman with multiple sclerosis and I was disappointed as a young man because I never saw her get healed. And I've carried that for many years. And I sat there with no faith in my heart because our next is always tied to our past. And I sat there as a faithless pastor as this man walked her back and forth and I saw her spine begin to straighten. And he said, is there numbness in your hand? She said, yes, but it's leaving. It's leaving right now. Within, within a few minutes, she was running back and forth across the front. And the Lord healed her body. The Lord healed her body. Now, for all of the skeptics out there, we sent her to the doctor. Because what started happening? She started getting up in the morning and jogging. She started exercising. Um, we sent her to the doctor and we said, you, you, have, to, you have to confirm this. This is radical. You have to confirm that she went to the doctor and the doctor came out after doing an MRI and he said, if I did not know that you had had MS, I would not know that you had MS. I would not know it. He said the, the lesions that were identifiable and he laid the MRI next to each other. He said, these are all gone. They're all gone. He said, there were gaps in your brain. They're gone. They don't exist anymore. The doctor literally astounded. Here's the deal. She got so healed that she's actually losing her disability. Not just physical disability. I'm talking about money disability. She's having to go back to work. And I said, well, that's kind of a little bit of a, a bummer. But on, on. like, no, you don't get it. I'm so excited. Her next is tied to her past. Her past was she was sick. And now she's not. You know, church, you might not have gotten healed of MS, but the Lord has visited your life. And He has visited this church. He's not just visited the leadership team. He's visited you. And it's time to allow the the journey that the Lord has taken you on to kind of come to the surface in your today, in the present moment, and say, God, what grace have you worked in me? And it's out of that grace I'm going to begin to act prophetically. And what Paul did that day is he stood up and he began to declare, and they came back the next Sabbath, and, and, and people begin to be converted. Come on, the kingdom of God was established. That region was touched with the, with, the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it didn't just happen through Paul. It started to happen through the congregation. I felt so stirred in my heart. I want you to stand to your feet today. I know we're right at the end of our time. I had, I had eight other points, but you can just pray, and the Lord will, will share them with you. Father, I thank you for this group of people. I pray that you would bless them today in every way. I pray that the peace of God would rule and reign in their hearts. I pray, God, that the the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, would stir the grace that's not only on the senior leadership team, it's in every member of this congregation. Bless them in their now so they'll act prophetically for the future. 
We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.